about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. But this time it was ministry development, and let me tell you, it was deeper than I ever thought because God challenges you through these courses. So I want to share a little bit, just a teeny bit, um, about what what the whole schedule was like because I, I enjoy schedules. It helps me stay on track. So thank you, Jesus, for that. But they do keep you busy. So I wanted to share, too. Two years ago, I kept seeing butterflies, you know, when you just have the little God winks. And I was seeing butterflies. This year, I went back, and I see the high-flying. They could be crows. I call them eagles. <laughs> but they're high-flying. And I'm like, yes, Lord, I'm going higher with you, not realizing that he wanted me to go deeper as well. And, and by that, I mean that there's, he'll challenge you. You know, when you have all this time to be in the Word and to be with others. Now, I've been living as an individual, as a single, for years. And to go into, there's about 80 people there, and to go into a dorm. So, Patrick, whenever you're ready to just show some pictures, um, I was in a dorm with five other girls from ages 18 to 26. Um, this is the dorm. To your right is the school classroom, and to your left is my dorm. So the next slide is... <laughs> Welcome to 18 to 26-year-olds. Now, I cannot argue because my, my mother used to look in my room just from the doorway, and I'd have clothes on the floor and everything, you know, just worse than this. And she'd say, Mary, someday your room is going to be clean. So if you notice, the top bunk is a bed that's made. See, so I've learned at 71, my Jesus. So happy. Okay, next. <laughs> yes, I mean, they, that's, that's the talk, you know. She's at the top bunk. You know? But I came late. They offered me the bottom. I said, no, I'll develop my strength going up and down. <laughs> These are two of my roommates and a dorm mate. They're amazing. They're full of life. Each one has a separate personality, and I just, I love being with them, I do. So next one, here's one of, from the first one, but this one to the side, she's 19, she's got an awesome voice, and she just is kind of like a mother, and she's 19, but it's just, she's an amazing young woman. So next slide, and this one in the middle um, is actually... Has, has a vision to start a home for disabled children overseas. And uh, she's got a managing spirit about her, gifting. She loves kids. And uh, she and I are about the closest. I think she's 26. So next slide. <laughs> this is where we eat. And the flags, I believe, represent all the countries that this particular base, that's what they call it, YOM is the base in Orlando has gone to um, or has missionaries in. So next slide, please. This, um, behind where the chairs and tables are, is where we meet every morning at 9 a.m. 
for worship. We have an hour of worship every weekday morning. It's wonderful. It really is. And I, the next slide, I think it's the video, Patrick. No? Okay. This is the classroom. Um, it's just the front of it, but we have this beautiful stone fireplace, and the teachers come in front and, and teach there with, with the library behind it. And the next slide, please. Okay. Huh. All right. You can't see this. All right. So, true story. I'm there for, I don't know how many, thank you. I'm there for, I don't know, a few weeks. I, I got covid got put in the hospital, not with the COVID. I was put in the hospital because I felt faint. The two pills that they had given me for my heart had um, made my heart rate go down to 40. It's normally 70. So they put me in the hospital for that. I tested positive for COVID. I'm saying, you're kidding me. I have a sore throat. That's the problem. So they kept me quarantined. So I go from single living to the dorm, to the hospital, to a quarantine room, back to the dorm, and I just felt so unsettled that I was just, I started to write it out. I couldn't even keep it. I was like, okay, Lord, this is wrong, and this is off, and this is, I don't know where this is, and this, and this, and this. And finally, the bottom line was, Lord, am I really as submitted to you <laughs> as I, I need to be? And as soon as I said that, I had gone, uh, it was church day there, so I went and I, I parked near a barn, near a fence, near a forest. And I looked up, and if you see it, it's the cross beyond the forest, beyond the barn. And it was like the Lord was saying to me, I know exactly where you are. And then I went to church, and we sang the song, The Champion, and in that it says, we're seated in heavenly places. And he said, that's your permanent home, Mary. Don't worry about all this other stuff. And that just so settled my heart. But that's the kind of thing that all of you experience. But that was partly mine at YWAM. So one of the things at YWAM, besides having worship in the morning and classes and small groups and prayer together and going to outreach, um, we have homework. And the homework this time was to read the entire Old Testament within the 22 weeks that we're there. I'm in Psalms right now, a little behind, but we'll get there. And to read the New Testament and uh, be looking, not the New Testament, but the Gospels, and be looking for, thanks Patrick, six specific topics that you get to choose and then write a paper on them. So I'm in the process of doing that. But we also were required to memorize Ephesians 4. And that's where we're going tonight. So if you want to turn to Ephesians 4. I love Ephesians anyway. The first two chapters are wonderful. I've gone over them in chapter 3. But I don't really progress often into the practical side. But chapter 4 is actually... Um, the leaders wanted it for the fact of unity. Now, part of... Part of the YWAM experience is you go on outreach to a foreign country. And as we know, as Pastor Thomas said, there is no junior Holy Spirit. So all of these teenagers and young adults are going to be going, right now my team of 10 is going to the Middle East, to a formally closed country. And I can't go because the doctor advised. But as soon as I heard the name of the country, which I can't, I'm not supposed to share, um, 
because it's it's a dangerous place. Um, as soon as I heard the country name, intercession crossed my mind, and I was like, "Oh God, that means I have to stay here." You know, <laughs> you don't think of the adventure in intercession that you're going to have while they're over there and you're here and you're connected. You know, to to be praying for them. So, so that's my assignment for this outreach, besides some other things that they're going to have me do in outreach. But they get to go and allow the Spirit of God to flow through them in healings and witnessing, and they come back changed. This whole, every time that's happened, and I've seen these groups, there's one group going to Tanzania, and that's the larger group, and my group is going to a Middle East country. So... It's awesome. They get to practice and see things. Like I heard on TV, take a risk. You know, when you take the risk and you go in over your head, then you find out things about yourself that you never knew before. So that's something I encourage all of us to do as well. That's what the Lord spoke to me one time when I went, when I had cancer. Take the risk. Do the thing that you're not sure is going to come out right. But God is, God will show up. Okay, so here we are, and what you have in front of you is a lot of paper. We're not going to go through all of that, but the first page, at least, I'm going to try to go through it rather quickly, even though it looks like it's unbelievably long. So God's going to help me with it. Thank you, Lord. So what I never understood, being a single, being an individual, just kind of an independent person, Unity was never a big word for me. I don't have brothers and sisters. Um, my dad died when I was 10. So here I am, me and mom, and mom was sick. And I really, unity, mom always went my way because I was so strong-willed. So uh, I didn't understand a lot. And then you get in with five other roommates in a class of 10, and you discover... <laughs> there may be some conflict, <laughs> and you have to know how to deal with it. So, all right, so let's start with Ephesians 4. I think I'm going to read, uh, I don't know, read the whole thing? No, read a portion. Okay, I'm using King James. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So, I love looking up words, but we're gonna, this, is, this is the whole section. Okay, I already jumped off of my, my outline here. Um, but let's, let's find out where it says, I therefore, and there's that old phrase, if, if you see the word therefore, let's find out what it's there for. So let's go back to Ephesians 1, and let's look at verses 4 and 5. And it says, According as God has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, there, I didn't make it up. It's right in black and white. It's the good pleasure of his will to choose us and adopt us. And we know that when someone's adopted, they are chosen. And they are someone that is wanted. So we are wanted. 
in the body. Um, and God wants a family. Pastor Tom wrote that in his book. And when I saw that, it was like, it never occurred to me. God wants a family. Um, so now let's look at chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. This is Paul speaking. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So there's another confirmation. He wants family. He wants relationship. So now go back to Ephesians 1 in verses 9 and 10. Let's find out more about his will. Okay, so God has made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he had purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ. So I'm going to stop right there. It's that. That's his good pleasure. This is what he wanted. He wanted to gather everything together in his son. And now let's turn to John 1. Hold your, keep your finger in Ephesians. Um, sometimes I ask the question, why? What's the big deal? Why do you want everything together in Christ? So it says in John 1, verse 4, in him, meaning in the word, in Jesus, was life. And throughout the entire Bible, one time I, I marked a Bible with all the words concerning death and life. The word is full of those two words. And in Christ is life. And that's what God wants for us. Outside of Christ, when we don't have him in our heart or make a personal commitment to him, we don't have him and there is death there. And he doesn't want that. He wants us to have life. That's his will. So now let's look back in Ephesians 1, verses 11 and 12. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. So we are, we have an inheritance, we're considered co-heirs, and we are to be to the praise of his glory. So I think of his purpose. Um, it's in Romans, I believe, and it says that he's predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. And that's where he has in mind for us to go. All right, so let's find out more. And it's all in Ephesians just about. Let's look at Ephesians 1 verse 7. If it wasn't for Jesus coming and shedding his blood, verse 7 says, in whom, meaning in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. So, if it wasn't for Jesus' blood, we wouldn't be able to be one with him or in him. Next, his death and resurrection. That's in Ephesians 2, verses 5 and 6. Even when we were dead in sins, God has quickened us together with Christ. By grace, we are saved. And he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
This is the book, the book of Ephesians, that gives the most scriptures about being in Christ, in whom, in him, everything. And, and it, when I was first saved, I know that was a big thing, and we were looking for all of that. So that is a Bible study you can do on your own. Um, but So it was his blood through his death through his resurrection, we've been joined with him, we've been placed together, and now we discover in Philippians 1.21, keep your finger in Ephesians, Philippians is the next book over, and Philippians 1.21, Paul is saying, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So he is our life now. And those are the other two scriptures, Galatians 3.20 and Colossians 3.3 and 4. Christ dwelling in us, his life through us. So, but it's not only God the Father, it's not only God the Son, it's also God the Holy Spirit. So we are sealed by him. And that's in Ephesians 1.13 and 14. In whom, meaning in Christ, we also trusted. After that, we heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation. In whom also, after that, we believed we were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. I don't know if you've ever seen a seal. They used to use them in medieval times, I believe, but on the back of Anything that was a legal document, they would let the candle drip, and they'd seal it with the king's seal, and then it was unbreakable. If it was broken, you'd know, and it would be illegal at that point. So we are sealed for the Father. We have his stamp of approval, if you want to put it that way, on us. So we are sealed by him so that we can, he can, in us, bring God's will to fruition. And then in Ephesians 2, 18, it says, For through him, or through Christ, we both have access, both meaning Jews and Gentiles, we have access by one spirit unto the Father. So we have access now. We are able to go freely in prayer and praise to the Father. And in chapter 3, verse 12, it says, In Christ we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. So his faith is ours, the Spirit is ours. And in Ephesians 2.22, we discover, In Christ we also are builded together for habitation of God through the Spirit. Um, when I was a younger Christian, there was a big thing, the ecumenical movement, and they were trying to get all the doctrines together and just kind of throw a few out here and a few out there, one of which was the blood of Jesus and the incarnation. It's like they were trying to gather everything in the natural, but truly what it is is when we have the spirit of the living God dwelling in us, that's what unifies us. So, all right, so we've discovered it's God's will the Father planned it. The Son carried out what was necessary, and the Holy Ghost is working in us now. Hallelujah. So now, what the Jewish people didn't know, this is a revelation that Paul is saying he's received. In Ephesians 3, verse, verses 1 through 6, he's telling them, this is the revelation that God gave him. 
um, in verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So the Jewish people didn't know that, but now it's no longer Jew and Gentile. It's one person in Christ. What the devil didn't know is in verses 9 to 11, so it's, uh, I'll read it. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. This is Paul's ministry. Which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church or through the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the devil knows that if he can divide, and con he will conquer. If he can divide us as a body, he can conquer, unfortunately. So that's why unity is so important. Um, and what the body of Christ needs to know is the third revelation, and that's in chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, or let me start with 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know, that's experientially, not only in your head, but to know it in our hearts, the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. So we've got God's will. We've got now the revelation of what God wanted, that, that we'd be one with the Jews and one, one new man, that the devil wouldn't be able to overcome us as we're one, and that as we know the love of Jesus... We're going to be able to share it with others. His new commandment, you love others as I have loved you. And sometimes I feel like, Lord, I don't, I don't love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. But God is, Jesus is saying, let me love you first. Let my love fill you like a sailboat with the sails. You know, let the wind of my love fill the sails so you can go in the right direction. So... All right, let's, let's dive into chapter 4 here. So he wants us to walk worthily, and I'm going to pull out some, some notes here. In verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, and actually in Greek that word is separakalo, which means please. <laughs> He's kind of begging, please, I'm begging you. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. So to walk worthy, um, it means appropriately or deservingly or suitably as if you're drawing praise. So say you're invited to a wedding and you decide, I think I'll wear these dungarees, especially the ones with the holes in them. Is that an appropriate outfit for a wedding? No, no. I'd rather, this, this is more appropriate for a wedding, not the dungarees. So he's saying, uh, similarly, 
he said, okay, I'm going to, I need a nail uh, put into a board. Would this be an appropriate thing to do that with a spatula? And no, it's kind of soft and, yes, no, that doesn't work. But you're going to need an appropriate tool to do the job. So he wants us to, to walk befittingly, suitably, appropriately for the call. It's an, the vocation, that word means invitation. And it also suggests in that word wherewith you are called, that's an individual calling. I'm calling you, Ben. To the, this is an invitation to you to walk worthily together with the body. Um, all right, so with all, okay, so this verse, verse two, there's so much meaning in it, so give me, um, actually, in, all right, I want to stop. <laughs> there's so much. I, I have so many pages, and it's like, Lord, n- never is this, this is all more for me than, because I have to act on this, you understand. If you preach it, you've got to act on it, and it's like, oh, God, <laughs> What's up and ahead? <laughs> um, so, anyway, lowliness. It means low-lying plus the word the mind. So if we're, it says, with all lowliness, all low-lying or making low the mind. Hum- humbleness of mind. And it comes from a word that means to rein in like a horse or curb to fence or enclose. So if we can rein in our thoughts, that's what he's asking us to do. And with meekness, which means gentleness. So let me get to something on my notes here. All right, we'll do that later. All right, so with lowliness of mind... Philippians 2, 3 explains that a little better. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, here it comes, let each esteem other better than themselves. Now that doesn't mean that you put yourself down, but what we learned in the very first class was the word honor. And it's something that we don't see a lot anymore. It's when the husband opens the door, the car door for his wife. He's honoring her. Um, When someone gets up from, say, the bus and gives you the seat because you're older, that's honoring. Um, There's a a great, if you ever look it up, uh, John Bevere does something called Honor's Reward. And one of the things that really struck me is that God so values honoring your authority that even if you sin, it's not as great a deal as if you dishonor or count as common. That's the opposite of honor. You count as common, nothing, cast away. And what he said is, think about Saul, who did one disobedience and yet lost the kingdom, and David, who did adultery and murder, And yet God calls him a man after his own heart. What was the difference? Saul disobeyed God's direct um, command. And also um, Samuel, who was, he he dishonored Samuel as well. So 
Between the two of them, God considered the sin against authority and the dishonor to be a worse sin than what David had done, which is amazing. So how did I get there? Okay, lowliness. <laughs> okay, um, Matthew eleven twenty nine. Oh, wait, wait, don't go there yet. Stay, stay in the feet. All right, I want to tell you about meekness a little bit. Meekness means gentleness, but it's not weakness. It's power controlled. Um, I read somewhere that the Lord was meek because he had the infinite resources of God at his command. Let me read that again. The Lord was meek because he had the infinite resources of God at his command. He knew who he was. I take that. He knew everything God had given him, but he was able to be gentle when he could have slapped those Pharisees around. I'll tell you what. So it's not concerned with self at all. It's, it's the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. It's neither elated way up high or cast down, 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 simply because it's not occupied with self at all. And it's towards God first. This Greek word of gentleness means it's toward God first that we accept God's dealings with us, whether it's chastening or some adverse situation, as good. And it's without, we don't dispute with him. And we, we don't resist. Now, I've done that. You know, I may be the only one in the room, but <laughs> eventually, as you're tug of warring with him, you do give up because <laughs> he he's good and we know it. So that's toward God first, and then it's toward men second that we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit's conviction, and when an enemy reacts to us, we discern our blind spots. I think of Kelly's testimony and what. She was sharing how, you know, this, this was just rising up because I've been there, Kelly, too, you know, where you just get mad at the people that are trying to love you the most. Hello, Pastor Tom knows about that one. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it just is not really who you are, but anyway, but if you can discern your blind spot and stay close to Jesus rather than defending yourself before an enemy, that's called meekness. And gentleness. Okay, so, um, all right, now let's go to Matthew 11. And hold, keep your finger in, in Ephesians. <laughs> and I find it again. Matthew 11, 28. It says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Of course, this is Jesus. 11, verse 28. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. So, the character of Christ, gentle, meek, lowly in heart, where he's thinking, honoring others, in spite of the fact that they're not honoring him. 
And in my, in my study of the Gospels, I am constantly amazed because one of my topics to, to look for was the attitudes of leaders toward Jesus and his response to them. He always answered their questions. He may have answered with a parable or with a question, but he never negated their questions. And he always gave them the opportunity to receive truth. So that was, I, to me, you know, you could have just ignored them or slapped them around or something, but, but he didn't do that. So, okay. Next is, I mean, as if those two were really simple. Sure, why not? <laughs> but with long-suffering and forbearing one another in love. So those two words are different words. Long-suffering is an inward disposition to bear injuries patiently. So when you get hurt, you're patient with the person, and you can, you can go on in spite of it. Um, now, what this is, too, it says it's self-restraint in the face of provocation. So it's like someone's provoking you. They're not just, you know, being who they are. But if they're provoking, it's your own self-restraint. And it says it's not in regard to things that are happening to you. It's in regard, patience, in regard to antagonistic persons. So long-suffering is that kind of patience where you're just going to, Bear with it. You're going to have fortitude. You're going to just bear the injuries patiently. And forbearing is a frame of mind where you hold yourself back. So one is being patient and the other is holding yourself back and controlling yourself when you're being provoked. So does that sound like your family? I, I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure. Looking around, yes, there there are times where you just want to go, oh, not again, please. So, and I I know I did. I did. After a month and a half, I finally just put on my cleaning gloves and cleaned the entire dorm because I couldn't take it anymore. You know, it's just like got to do this. So, God bless them. They still love me. So. Um, <laughs> So the whole purpose of that is verse 3 in chapter 4 of Ephesians, endeavoring to keep or guard the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So you're, you're making an effort here. You're endeavoring to guard. I like this. The word keep is to guard from loss or injury by keeping your eye on. So if you're aware, you know, you know, being watchful. Watch for this. Watch when this stuff comes your way, if somebody antagonizes you or, or you think you're better than other people and you're thinking that way. So just get your thought down, that's all. Just recognize and honor others and be gentle. You know, hold on. All of that good stuff. Okay, it does say forbearing one another in love. And then it mentions there is a bond which is a uniting principle of peace. The bond of peace, the uniting principle. Okay, so let's... Have I just completely exhausted that for you? <laughs> I think so. We're doing good. All right, so now, the rest of your papers, I'm not going to put it on the board, and I'm not going to talk it, but 
the rest of your papers are there. They are so fun because I saw Becky in it and I saw Pastor in it and I saw, you know, some of the others. I saw Susan. And the different ones, you're going to find yourself in these. And this is, I'm going to read from Ephesians 4. Let's see, verses 7 and 8. So it says, okay, so here we are. All right, I'm going to go back to 4, sorry. So he's saying, all right, let's keep the unity of the Spirit. There is one, so now he's going to say, okay, here's, here's part of the unity. There's one body. It's filled with one Spirit, and we are called in one hope, and that hope is Christ in us, the hope of glory. There's one Lord, Jesus. There's one faith. This is what we trusted him. There's one baptism, which um, another one, let's see. What did he say? That we're all, when we're baptized, we're baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. One God and one Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. And then it goes, but unto every one of us is given grace or favor. In my, my thinking, it's favor as well. According to the measure of the gift of Christ. All right, I'm going to jump down to verse 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So on your papers, um, I, I would like it, I would love it if you went home and just kind of looked over. Let me explain. And I don't have them, that's okay. The first pages, who you are, what you're, where you fit in the body, kind of. Now, don't take it as a label for you. That's not what I meant. But when you see the ways that you operate, that's, that's going to be fun, I think, for you to look at. The second part of it is how you do what you're, what you're born with to do, like, like if a person drops a glass of water, one person will run, get a sponge, and pick up the water, and another person will say, gee, you should have held it a certain way. You know, another person will, well, it's your natural response to things. That's in the second section. And then the third section in, on page four, let me see. There are elder and deacon roles. And I, I just, I don't have the paper in front of me. May I? Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, so the deacon role, everybody has a role to play in this with both of these. Number one, the deacon is your job in the organization, not your title. But, you know, in a family, you need someone to wash the dishes, someone to clear the table, someone to wipe the table. It's that kind of body action. What is, what is it that you see to do that you always do? I know Yolanda, she hits, hits the dishes whenever we have a big buffet. She's always like, she's ready. This is part of who she is. And she get, jumps in. So it's the logistical function of a day-to-day-to-day-to-day operation. The elder role is your gift, what you give to others when you come into church, when you find yourself, you know, automatically just drawn to pray with someone or, or just give a smile and loving or whatever you're doing in the body, you have a place. So that I, I wanted to just point out. Thank you. Um, okay, so take that home and enjoy it. 
you'll find Becky on one of those pages very clearly. <laughs> um, all right. So let me go over what for the perfecting of the saints means because that is really huge. The perfecting of the saints means complete furnishing. So, okay, we're a body, we're the building, we're the indwelling is where Christ dwells. So he's completely furnishing, and this is his desire in verse, let's see, verse 12, for the complete furnishing of the saints. And it's for the work of the ministry. So it's actually the act or the work of the ministry, which is serving needs in the body. That's what ministry actually means, serving needs in the body. It could be charitable aid. It could be a, a service like a teacher. It could be what a deacon does, anything in the church that you find to do. So that's what it means for, for the perfecting of the fully complete furnishing of the saints. And the saints, by the way, is the blameless ones, the set-apart ones for the work of the ministry, for the work of serving, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And edifying is a fascinating word, too. It's the act of building a home, a dwelling, a family. It's also, well, let's start right there, because what does it say? And there are are scriptures in Ephesians as well. It says that he wants a family, that he's a dwelling, that we are to be a habitation of God. So that's the building up, the habitation of God. And um, let's see, the edifying of the body of Christ. So, oh yes, it also means it's actually confirming proof or positive evidence of Christ's indwelling. When our body is built up together, it's positive evidence that Christ dwells in us because they will know us by our love. So, okay. Now, in verse 13, let me see, let me make sure where I am here. I'll close it out. All right. Um, I'll just mention briefly, it, it says... In, in verse, we read them, verses four through six, the oneness that the word gives us, the oneness of our faith in the word. And then in verses nine through nine and 10, it talks about where Jesus went. He went into the lower parts of the earth and there was something called Abraham's bosom. And he took all the Jewish believers that were before Christ ever came to earth and he raised them up with him. So he went and it says he filled, now he fills all things. He went down and he went up to earth and then he went to heaven. So he's filling all things. Um, And that's the spirit of God because the spirit of God enabled him to do that. It was was like he died by the spirit of God and he rose again by the spirit of God. So, okay. Now God wants us to walk in full functionality. That's my phrase. Um, in verses 14 through 16, we're going to end here. So, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. 
but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. I'm going to stop there for a minute. It's that children are immature, but in verse 13, here's, here's the desire of Paul and of God. Till we all come in the unity of the faith, which is the word, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, which is the Spirit. I'm kind of, you know, putting it in my own thought processes here. Unto a perfect man. And I, let me just find that word for perfect. A perfect man, because it's different than the other ones, I believe. Okay, thanks. Perfect man, complete. The word in Greek is teleos. And being, you know, when I was a kid, I heard words. Teleos means it's done, finished. It's complete. It's to set out for a definite point or goal, and it's reaching the point aimed at. So that's the difference. A perfect man is complete, completely everything God wanted us to be, which, and, and then it says, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So this is his plan for us as a body. That's why I was thinking, you know, so many people are out there without a body to belong to. They can't be complete because the body completes them. You know, the rest of all of you complete me and I help complete you and it's awesome. So not one is left out. Everyone is valued and valuable. So, and also it says, um, so this is the mature, the mature man, but the children are the immature ones that go about in, in the, let's see, West, I don't know how to pronounce his name, said um, that, oh, anyway, okay, it won't work because I can't find it. Um, speaking the truth in love, I'm jumping here, from the immature that are carried about with Men that are trying to deceive, let me put it that way. But this phrase, speaking the truth, is one word, and it means to be true in doctrine, or or what we've learned from the word, and profession in what we speak, that it's not to lie hidden, but it's true is not concealing. So you've heard the word transparency. So we're to be transparent with each other that we're to speak the truth. And if something that's true hits us and, and like, oh, you know, it's, it's to be transparent and say, hey, you know, I think I need help with that. You know, that we, we're not trying to put on. That's, that's one of the things the Lord was showing me. Before I went to YWAM, I was saying, Lord, I've wanted ministry for so long, but if I only have you, that's what I want. I want you, God even if I never have ministry. But this, being in YWAM now, it's like, Lord, I'd rather be yours than try to put on a, a facade of spirituality. You know, and it's tempting when you're with all of these eager and, and you know, very spiritual people and they're, you know, just really going and it's like, you want to be part of that, but you're not sure that you are. But you don't want to put on that you are. You want to be who you are and allow the Lord's grace and power within to change you. So that came really hard to me this time. Really good, good hard. Um, okay, so now let's look at 
verse 16, almost done. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted or united by that which every joint supplieth, and I like this next phrase, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, you give your all to this. <laughs> this is not something that you just kind of lollygag around and say, yeah, well, I'm part of a body, you know, whoop-de-doo. You know, this is the effectual working in the measure of every part. Just give your whole heart to it, you know. It's what, there used to be a song that I can, I can risk loving you because I am already loved. So that's part of what God wants in the body. And then it says, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Um, so I want to read from West, because he expands it a little bit. Um, okay. From whom all the body constantly, note that word, that's the verb tense, being joined closely together and constantly being knit together through every joint of supply. So here's the difference. Here is a crocheted piece of work. It's lovely, but it's got holes in it. But here is a knit piece of work that my mother made, the very first thing she made. Everything is knitted together closely. There are no holes. In it. And this is what God wants for us. He doesn't want us separate. He wants us together, closely knit, constantly. And then it says, according to the operative energy put forth to the capacity of each part. I like that. That's zeal to me. That's like putting your all in there. The operative energy put forth to the capacity of every part makes for increased growth of the body, resulting in the building up of itself in the sphere of love. Okay, one last thing. This is the conclusion. Hallelujah. Thank you. I love you guys. Thank you. We've learned... (laughs) I receive it. Um, we've learned that God is in us. We've learned that we are in Christ. So God's in us, we are in God. But this third aspect that I've never really paid attention is that we're all in each other as well. We're joined and unified in one body. So we can't do it alone. It's, um, and all through this, and I haven't pointed out, but there are one, two, three, four, five, six. Six times God mentions filling, fullness, uh, fill. Okay, the dispensation of the fullness of times, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. He might fill all things, filled with all the fullness of God, the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then in chapter 5, be filled with the Spirit. And that word, I love it because... It's, it means to be replete, like we use that word all the time, right? <laughs> Are you replete today? You know, um, But it means to cram a net, all right? So I didn't have my old laundry basket. Here's a laundry basket. If you are aware of people at college, I did, yes, fill this up and bring it home to wash it in my washing machine. So what it means is to cram 
a net. I mean, if you can imagine this being loaded with laundry just ready to be washed. The other word uh, that it means is to level up a hollow. So if you've got a hole in your ground, you level it up to furnish or imbue. Now, imbue means to permeate, which means that if you put dye and clothing in with the dye, the dye is going to permeate and it's going to change color. So this is what God is saying. He wants us to be filled with the fullness of God. And so I'm going to leave you with these words from Ephesians 3. Um, there was something else. That's all right. Should I or shouldn't I, Lord? Um, yeah, okay. All right, so here's Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, the Holy Spirit, unto him, the Father, be glory in the church by the Son, Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for wanting and desiring that we be filled with you and your fullness. Thank you for this body. God, I pray your blessing on it. And we thank you for all that you've done and all that you continue to do in our lives together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. the kingdom